An important message from Blue Ridge Hospice. There may be several hospices now claiming to serve the area, but Blue Ridge Hospice is the only local hospice that has been serving here for 40 plus years, operates the only hospice inpatient care center, conducts the only community-wide grief and bereavement programs, offers a nationally recognized music therapy program in conjunction with Shenandoah University, outscores every other Virginia hospice in Medicare's quality scores, and so much more. Blue Ridge Hospice, the first, the best. Find out more at blueridgehospice.org. Cardio Buzz is your weekly show for cardiology news, reviews, conference coverage, and interviews with experts. Any medicine must be first tested in clinical trials on large number of individuals, then reviewed by regulatory authorities like the FDA, and after the safety and efficacy were confirmed it can be available for mass prescription. And despite clinical trials and regulatory bodies' oversight, some patients may still not respond well to the medicine and may even develop side effects, even unexpected side effects. So why does this happen? Assuming that the indication was right and the dose was correct, it could be due to individual variations in the patient's response, in the genes, in the behavior, in the disease. A physician's experience can predict the response and the risk of complication based on the results of the clinical trials and the clinical judgment. But unfortunately, we are still far from being 100% precise when we're prescribing the medications. How can we be sure that this very particular patient will respond properly as the patients who were involved in the clinical trial and will not develop side effects? So, talking about drugs and pharmacology, it's my honor to host today an expert in cardiovascular pharmacology. She's actually a good old friend and colleague. Back at the preparatory school, she was the math genius and she was my student's role model. We graduated the same class from Qasr-Laini Medical School. I'm glad to uh, host Professor Maha Yed. She was initially an intensivist in the top critical care and cardiology departments in the region. And later on, she shifted gears to pharmacology. She's currently a professor of pharmacology at the Clinical Science Department, University of Sharjah. She's also a fellow of the Royal College of Physicians in Edinburgh. She has a master's degree in endocrinology and diabetes mellitus from Queen's Mary University, London. She also got several intramural and national research grants, including Al Jalila Research Grant, Sheikh Hamdan Medical Research Award, Mohammed bin Rashid University Al Mahamid Research Award, she has 47 publications in high-impact journals. She's also a collaborator in the Global Burden of Disease at the University of Washington. And we're glad to have you at CardioBuzz, Professor Ma. Thank you, Prof. Hussein, for uh, the nice introduction. It's my pleasure to be with you today in this episode of CardioBuzz. So how can we make sure that this very particular patient that I am treating will get the ideal response from the drug that we've seen in the clinical trial. Unfortunately, our clinical variables like the A, the family history, they can help, but they fall short at least in 20% of the cases. So how can we be so precise? And let's start by what's meant by precision medicine. I have, let's say, 10 patients. How can I make sure that I'm prescribing for each one of the 10 different patients the drug that fits his disease process 100%. What tools do we have apart from the clinical tools, apart from the clinical trials? What extra tools do we have that can allow us to reach this goal? 
Precision medicine is defined as using different variables, including genetic variants, in addition to pertinent clinical data, demographic data, with the aim of selecting the appropriate medication for your patient and the appropriate dose with minimum side effects. For example, we can have the tumors or the cancer. Here you are detecting specific molecular characteristics of the disease. You are using this uh, contrast between the cancer cells and the cells in order to tailor your therapy. So you prescribe the best medication that can deal with those specific abnormal cells with minimum effects on the normal cells. And in fact, the genetic variants are also important in how our body is dealing with different medications. The uh, degree of activity of the metabolizing enzymes in our bodies are determined by uh, some important genes and any genetic variations can lead to overactivity or hypoactivity of those enzymes. Drug transporters can be also affected by specific genetic variants. And the detection of those genetic variants uh, may lead to the physician to prescribe one drug uh, and not the other. And also, it may uh, lead to a significant changes of the rules uh, that is appropriate for each patient. So you are tailoring the medication to your patient according to the genetic background. The example of antiplatelet medication is one of the most interesting and important examples. We know that clopidogrel is the prototype antiplatelets used frequently and on a wide scale. And one of the important features of this medication is that it needs activation inside the body by a particular enzyme that's called cytochrome P452C19. There is a significant percentage of patients who have loss of function a bit of this particular gene. And in fact, this percentage is significant. It's around 25% of the Caucasians and up to 60% in some studies in Asian. And this means that a good percentage of your patient may not respond to clopidogrel just because they do not have this functional enzyme. So this loss of function and OB can be tested at the point of care. And if, if we achieve that, then we are going to triage patients into the ones who can respond. They are predicted to respond once to clopidogrel, which has low post compared to other antiplatelets and others with loss of functional allele of CYP2C19, who should receive other antiplatelet medications. Good. So now, before I prescribe an antiplatelet to a patient, I can order the genetic test to understand, will this patient respond to clopidogrel or he will not respond to clopidogrel? And if I know beforehand that he's, an, he's a non-responder, so I wouldn't start clopidogrel. I would shift from the beginning to another antiplatelet. So I prevent myocardial infarction, I prevent strokes, and I save money for the healthcare in total, right? Exactly. Yeah. So exactly. that's, that's a nice example. Yeah, exactly. It's a double hit. It benefits both the uh, patient and also it benefits uh, economics of the healthcare system. And do we have the same concept in other medications? Yeah. One of the earliest examples in cardiovascular medicine uh, is warfare. 
So one of the uh, most uh, extensively studied applications uh, early uh, beginning of the pharmacogenomics uh, practice was warfarin. And there are two important uh, gene variants that can uh, change the response to warfarin. One is responsible for the metabolism, which are the variants related to an enzyme called the C2C9. And the other one is related to the action of warfarin, which is the vitamin K epoxide reductive enzyme. And the gene responsible for it, of course, uh, can have some genetic variants that affects the activity. So the main objection of most clinicians would be that we can actually monitor the uh, dosing of warfarin and simply by thrombic time, thrombic concentration, and international polarized ratio. So why should we go for genetic testing? And the answer clear from the start of therapy of the anticoagulation until achieve the target INR, there is a critical period of time in which the patient may be exposed to either overcoagulation, over anticoagulation, under anticoagulation, and in both cases there may be serious consequences. So having those genetic test results in hand before prescribing the initial warfare is going to save time and uh, maybe uh, avoid some uh, complications. And uh, the FDA has approved the uh, use of genetic testing available to be uh, important variables in determining the dose. In most online calculators for warfarin dosing, we'll find many variables, including the genetic variants of the C2C9 and the weak force or the vitamin K epoxide reductase gene, and both can uh, lead to one of the initial dosing of warfarin. And of course, this gives like longevity and it revives the use of uh, warfarin as really uh, a vitamin K antagonist of uh, low cost. Excellent. So the question here, as a clinician, how convenient and how available are these tests? Are they available around in every lab? How much do they cost? What's the turnaround time? Because these also are factors that will uh, guide my decision whether to order these tests or not. That's really a very interesting and practical question. In fact, pharmacogenetic testing uh, is underutilized in most countries worldwide. And in order to uh, achieve a good uh, pricing for genetic testing, it should be frequently requested. And this is because you are decreasing the, the cost of the test. If you are doing, for example, 100 tests per week, it's much more cost effective if you convert it of doing the same test twice per week. So the underutilization of pharmacogenetic testing, making the test relatively of high cost till the moment. However, there are some uh, countries who are trying to do preemptive testing for panels of genes. And in this case, uh, it can be very cost effective whenever the patient is prescribed uh, one or another. Another important um, uh, factor that you mentioned is the time. And uh, in fact, some of the pharmacogenetic testing can be carried out by using uh, portable devices uh, and uh, can be carried out at the point of care. So the physician is going to receive the results in one to two hours. One of the beauty of pharmacogenetics 
uh, is that when you uh, perform the test for a patient once, then it will be valid for life because uh, those genes are the same from birth. In addition, you can test multiple gene variants for one patient and uh, give him like a panel of the variants he has to be ready for the physicians later on so they can select the appropriate medication, the appropriate dose of the medication, just by looking at this uh, catalog of gene variants that the patient carries. And nowadays, there are some advocates for what we call the pharmacogenomic or pharmacogenetic passport, in which the patient is tested for preemptively in advance for variety of, of genes that cover most of the available medications. And then he has this passport that he can show to the uh, physician so the physician can select the appropriate medication at the appropriate dose. Well, I like the idea of the passport. Do we have just one passport for patient or we have a passport for cardiovascular medications, a passport for chemotherapy, a passport for uh, psychiatric medications? Well, that's really a very interesting uh, suggestion concept to have the panel of the genetic variants tested according to the need of the patient. So if he is a cardiovascular patient, they are going to choose specific uh, genes. And if uh, the patient uh, is visiting the psychiatric, then he is going to benefit from a certain panel uh, of gene variants. So uh, this, is, this is quite important. Uh, to realize that if we are testing small panel of genes, then uh, this will be relatively of a higher cost than testing a wider range of genes. So it depends on the capacity of the healthcare system and the vision of the healthcare system. In fact, in the increasing elderly population and uh, their need for polypharmacy, I think the preemptive testing of a wide panel of uh, gene variants is the most appropriate and the most cost-effective. We have for cardiovascular pharmacology, we have them for cancer, we have them for uh, psychiatry. Do we have them for uh, antihypertensives or diabetes medications? Yes, the antihypertensive medications were studied also very early, uh, effect of different gene variants. And uh, one of the most famous examples is the enzyme insertion deletion variants. And in fact, this the deletion of uh, a particular uh, part of the gene may lead to a high activity of the angiotensin converting enzymes in the tissues. And this may cause resistance to most of the antihypertensive medications. Excellent. We've talked about genetic profiles. What, what do we have about molecular profiles? That's a very interesting concept, uh, molecular profiling and genetic variants. And of course, both are under the umbrella of precision medicine. So if you are talking about pharmacogenetics and how the gene variants may affect response to medications, we can also talk about some predictors of response to medications, but not in terms of genetic variants. Uh, instead, in terms of certain biomarkers or certain molecular aspects of the disease that can be detected in the lab and can predict that this patient will respond to this medication or that medication. Excellent. The last question. Do we have these genetic tests available in the UAE? So, till the moment, uh, in the UAE, up to my knowledge, there is no certified labs to 
do the pharmacogenetic testing uh, on regular approaching basis. What's there are some research projects that in the UAE University, there is a big promising projects. And also in the University of Shah, we have uh, good research projects on pharmacogenetics. And uh, hopefully after the completion of these projects and the uh, application of the results, the healthcare system will pay attention to the pharmacogenetics testing and hopefully adopt those important tests in clinical practice, especially they are of pharmacoeconomic importance. So I think we are close to achieving this, this big goal, but still we are working on that. So there's lots of work that needs to be done, both exactly. at, at the local level, at the international level, in order to go further steps towards precision medicine. So these tools are here. They add benefit uh, to the clinician uh, for selection of antiplatelets, anticoagulants, lipid lowering, cancer therapy, and uh, psychiatric medications. Uh, of course, biomarkers are there, but we still need to develop these more to make them more convenient and easier for the clinician to utilize. Exactly, proficiency. And uh, hopefully with the uh, extensive use of artificial intelligence, machine learning, the integration of such uh, concepts, and the tools uh, in the electronic medical records, we can add more and more to the variables that may affect the drug response and also integrate the genetic testing uh, into the electronic medical records of the patients. So they would be utilized once the patient is going to prescribe a particular medication. We hope to see that uh, in the near future, Professor Ma. Pleasure having you in the show and uh, thanks for all the valuable information that I personally learned from. And we're looking forward for more research from your side, more uh, awards, more grants, and more publications. Thank you very much, Prophecy. It was my pleasure. Thank you.